Welcome to the Self-Value Podcast, where self-discovery is your superpower. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and I'm thrilled to be joined by Sue Bryce and our lineup of amazing guests. Together, we'll explore the distinct connections between self-value, relationships, career growth, and financial abundance. Through real personal stories and expert wisdom, we'll arm you with sustainable tools and strategies to become the best version of yourself and create the life of your dreams. Hi, everyone. It's Nikki Klosser here, and my guest today on the Self-Value Podcast is Terry Hofford. Terry is a body image educator, an author, and a speaker, among many other things. During this episode, Terry gives us some life-changing steps to take towards acceptance of yourself as you are today. Plus, moving past what society and the media has said we need to look like in order to fit in. Terry is so incredible at teaching how to become empowered by making your own changes that we feel good about in order to have success on our journey of self-value. You can hear this plus so much more on today's episode with Terry Hofford. Hi, Terry. Welcome to the Self-Value Podcast. How are you? Hello. I am fine. Thank you. I'm super excited to have this conversation. Oh, I am too. It's such an important one. Like, very important. Yes. Very, very yeah. important. <laughs> okay. Among other things, Terry, well, okay, I'll just say you are an author, a speaker, a creator, and then you're also, okay, and if I'm missing things, feel free to, <laughs> you know, throw a photographer. And But one of the most important things it seems like that you do is you are a body image kind of educator. Yeah, that's... Uh, I went through a bunch of different variations on the title or whatever you want to call it. But ultimately what I settled on is that, yeah, I educate people specifically on body image or the mindset as it relates to bodies and things like that. Something I think it's really important that I've noticed from watching you over the last couple of years is it's, it, it almost seems, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it almost seems like it's twofold. One being educating people, you know, to like love your own body. And, and to really just have that, you know, compassion for yourself and acceptance for yourself, but also educating other people, maybe if they're not struggling with their own bodies, but educating other people just about body image in general. Well, I think it's interesting because we, we would not judge other people's bodies if we weren't judging our own. Um, mm, which, okay, which see, is, yeah. maybe you got me there. <laughs> which is the thing, like, because what we... Um, and this is talked about in self-value is the whole mirror, mirror thing. Like what we think about others is actually what we think about ourselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if there are people that live in different bodies to ours and we judge them, it usually means that we are fearful that our body could someday look like that. And we know the, uh, like the shame that comes along with that or the poor societal treatment that comes along with that. Uh And so... Yeah, so that's a big part that gets wrapped up in that space, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And it's really interesting to hear you say that because this, you know, the concept of mirror, mirror, like you brought up, you know, that Sue teaches in self-value, it's it's something that sometimes I think it's hard for people to wrap their brain around it mm-hmm. because it's like, no, that's not how I feel. Like, I think we get defensive yes. at first. <laughs> so I call that but, squidgy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. and But the more I have become comfortable with this concept, it's so easy for me to recognize as soon as I'm either, I either recognize it myself or when someone calls me out on it. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's either we want what the other person has, but don't think that we deserve it. Or it's that we are fearful that we will someday potentially have that. We will do everything in our power not to have whatever it is that they have that triggers us. But at the end of the day, it has nothing to do with that person. It has everything to do with ourselves and what we're making those things mean. Like, what are we making Mm -hmm. their body mean? Or what are we making disabilities mean or trends mean, you know? Mm -hmm. I really love this too, because it kind of gives us the power, like it, it empowers us that we get to be the ones that are in control and make the changes of how we're feeling, whether it's about our body or our, um, you know, anything, you know, whatever (laughs) it is that's bothering us. Like if you're feeling envious of someone or hatred towards someone or whatever, if we can kind of turn it back into what is it that I'm afraid of or I need or I want, there's just so much more power 
there to make changes. Yeah, and I think that is also the scary part, <laughs> which is why it it's is. just so much yeah. easier to say that about other people. And I mm-hmm. should I should say it's also not just about like judging or negative attitudes towards other people. It's also positive attitudes. Like we'll say we'll give backhanded compliments is kind of how it comes across. It's like, oh, you're so confident. But what we're saying is like, I wish I was confident, right? Mm -hmm. Like when when Mm -hmm. we, some, so I see it twofold, like it can happen positively, but also, uh, but also of course, negatively as well. The negative one is the one that makes us the most squidgy, I think. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, so I want to back up a little bit. Yeah. Obviously, this is something that you have spent a lot of time, energy, you know, brain power, heart power on for a long time. Have Have you always felt like you know confidence and just had a, a positive, I guess, quote unquote, body image for yourself, or is this something you've really had to? work on oh yeah no 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 that's like I think that's one of the things that people think it's like oh I just have to change my mind and it will be good but like I grew up as the biggest kid in my class I was bullied from the time I was little because I was the biggest one in my class but I always had this inner self-assurance like that would make me do things like I would you know volunteer for things and my body wouldn't even be a consideration that it could stop me from doing something. So I did have that. But on the other side, I was still, you know, being treated poorly by my peers, even sometimes relatives, they would say certain things. And so I grew up with, while while I grew up with a better narrative than a lot of people do, like my mom never talked about diets or her body really, um, I was still getting it from the media and my peers and my surroundings. Mm-hmm. So I still developed these internal beliefs. But most most of that turned into if I learned early on that if my body wasn't going to be valuable for how it looked, it would become valuable for the service it provided, um, which is what led me into becoming a high achiever and a very good student and a good girl and all of these things. And wait, so, wait. Yeah. Will you just, sorry, I yeah. totally just interrupted you, but will you kind of, talk, what do you mean, like the service it provided? Yeah. So I was always like, because I realized like, okay, I have this big body. It's, I really can't change it too much. Like I went the other route. Some people go like eating disorders and try to make themselves smaller. Mm-hmm. I basically was like, okay, well, this is the body that I have. Um, and and what can I do with this body so that it will be more celebrated or or people just won't notice it and they'll see me for the other things that I'm capable of. So I learned to work extra hard or okay. win the extra awards so that it would make up for the fact that my body was not societally acceptable. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And wow. a lot of that, though, I didn't realize until like the last 10 years essentially when I started to really unpack my the stories I tell myself and even now I'm still like I'm working with a coach and I work through will come up with things like oh I'm afraid of disappointing people and that goes back to being little and being in a body that was already a disappointment so how can I avoid disappointing people in other ways and so I'm still uncovering a lot of things that were kind of initiated because of the things I was learning about my body at a young age. It's such a wild thing to think of. And just, you know, hearing you say it, it's it's really powerful to think that there's so much pressure to please people. You know, obviously there are so many of us out there who are people pleasers that even with our body and the mm-hmm. way we look, we're afraid we're going to disappoint someone. Well, like, and What I, the hell? Well, a big part of that has to do with like, obviously when you're like a baby or a child, you're just looking for love. And uh, mm-hmm. I think Gabor Mate says it best. He's like, children are narcissists. So when your parents are unhappy or disappointed as a child, you're like, what did I do? <laughs> um, yes, yes. I'm still like that, Terry. Yeah. To my husband and I'm like, wait, hang on. Maybe he's just kind of mopey right now because he had a super long day and the kids were driving us nuts. Like maybe it's not like, yeah, maybe get over it's yourself, not Nikki. About it's not me. always about you. Yeah. And like, that's why you know. my mom actually had said that to me once. I was like, oh, everybody's like looking at me and my body and blah, blah, blah. And she was like... 
Who do you think you are that people are taking time out of their day to look at you? And I was like, (laughs) yeah, I am special, but I'm not that special. (laughs) Right. That's what I was going to say as a parent. It's like, honey, you are special. You can do anything you want, but you are not that special. You know, but But, but it is that egocentric kind of thing that happens as, as a baby. I feel like sometimes we just bring it into adulthood. Well, and that's the thing until you challenge everything you've learned, because that's the first half of your life is actually learning what other people believe like it literally is like oh that sounds good that sounds good I'll take that collect all these things and then it isn't until we hit a point in our adult life where we're like Ooh, maybe that's not serving the person I want to become or I've gotten so far away from who I am now starting to know myself to be that mm-hmm. yeah that I think I think we have to accept the fact that the first half of our life is just kind of the default mode, but then at some point we get, we could start making choices and creating our world and our belief systems, but we're not taught that in school Mm -hmm. or anything. We're taught just to like memorize and take it, take it at face value. And that is, that is it. And yeah, one of the best skills I think that we could teach people moving forward, like including children from a young age is just how to critically think if you could critically think from a young age, then you'll question everything. But if you are ever a child that questions things, you know you sometimes get in trouble. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the truth? Maybe, yep. maybe a little less now than it was before, but definitely like in the 80s and 90s and prior, like you didn't dare push back or ask questions in school because you knew you would get humiliated or actually physically punished in the olden days, mm-hmm. you know? So, mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's one of the best skills that as humans that we have to learn to, we do end up developing later on in our life to kind of uh, dismantle these beliefs that are not ours at all. Yeah. Oh, there's so much that you said in there. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, 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 please don't be sorry. This is just so good. So one of the things that you had said is you kind of had to unpack all of this Mm -hmm. as an adult. You know, I think gosh, we we just, we receive so many messages as kids. And, you know, I have my messages that I received that my parents probably didn't mean for me to feel like I wasn't the one that was capable of being successful. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way, shape, or form that my parents were like, I want my daughter to think that she can't be successful, you know? Yeah. But there were messages that, for whatever reason, I took in a certain way. Or like you were saying, like with your body. And like, what what pr- whole process did you go through to kind of, you know, heal from that and let go of it and move on and, like, write a new story for yourself? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, I'm trying to think, like, when I kind of started my work, so to speak, uh, it was probably about, mm, oh, probably when I started doing, like, my photography work. So in, like, 2014, when I did a project, because I was just, like, tired of not seeing bodies like mine in the photography industry. And so, uh-huh. yeah, so I did a project where I was like, well, let's just see what lots of bodies look like. Um, and in doing that, I was like, hey, there's like 75 people in this picture, that, like this whole set of pictures I took, and none of them look anything alike, and yet they all hate themselves. So like, what's the end game here? Like, like I, it baffled me. I'm like, what's what are we trying to do? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I always lead with curiosity. And so it started by the curiosity to help other people. Um, but obviously, that's as an empath, that's easier for me to help other people. Uh, but inadvertently, healing other people helps me heal myself. And so anytime I wanted to unpack more and maybe got difficult and I'd have to seek out therapy or hire a coach. I would have to convince myself that I was like, well, I'm going to do this, but so I can report back to the others how this went. Um, But whatever it takes, whatever it took to get me to start exploring, like I would have to rephrase it as if it was for somebody else, I think. And Mm -hmm. yeah, and that was kind of the process that started. It was just asking questions. And I remember one day I walked into the bathroom and I was like, I could hear my inner voice essentially was like, I don't know the last time I saw myself as a body, which was kind of cool. Like, I don't remember the last time 
I thought about, you know, the way my clothes fit or like mm-hmm. stepping on a scale or like I literally was just like, huh, I think I see myself as almost a whole person now. Like my, yeah, I see me beyond my body, I guess. And that was kind of a, oh, this is kind of freeing to do this. And now it's not to say that those thoughts don't come up because they do, because that's like 25 plus years of shitty mm-hmm. talk. Mm-hmm. Um And so they still pop up when I'm in, you know, stressed out. That causes all those negative things to come to the surface. When I'm feeling um, like a lack of purpose, my body becomes my purpose. Um, All of these things, mostly when we're in a fear state, all of our bullshit beliefs like to come to the top. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, well, yeah, I think that that goes with anything when we're making progress on so much, I feel like there are going to be times when it's going to rear its ugly head. But luckily now it's like you have the tools and the skills to know how to cope with it so much better so that it doesn't turn into something. Yeah. (laughs) Like something more. Yeah. And I think the other thing that I, maybe I learned this from uh, my mom because she is a, when I, this isn't about bodies, it's more about my money mindset. That is kind of like an area that I struggle with. And I, I would be an ostrich. Like, I would just avoid. That was my, mm-hmm. right, don't look at the bank accounts, don't look at anything. And then one, oh, so uh, common. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then one time I came in when I was like, you know, I'd just been traveling and I came in and my mom's like, hey, have a seat at the table. And she had laid out my credit card statements. <laughs> oh, and I was man. like, ah, and all, like all that fear around what it could be, like just came to the surface. But in that moment, Mm -hmm. she said, Terry, you can't know where you're going until you know where you are. Um, And so I apply that same process because I was like in my mid-20s kind of. And so I applied that same process to my body. Like what, what is the worst thing that happens if I just look at my body and pay attention to the thoughts that come up? Yeah, yeah. And so this is so important. Yeah, so I'm a big believer in exposure therapy. So, which I know some people are like, oh, that's a little too, you know, a little too aggressive. But I don't know. I think you can't, if you're not willing to look at what is, you can't ever accept it. So yeah. you'll never be happy. Well, and yeah, absolutely. It, I have, I do have to share with you that when I was younger, my dad educated me about um, credit card debt. Mm. And I mean, he did the math with me. He showed me, you know, if this was, I was like a teen, a young teen when he started talking to me about credit card debt. And Terry, as soon as I went to college, walking around campus, and there's that MasterCard table sitting oh, there. Oh, right. That's what got me. Oh, sign up now. And you, you get can get up $20,000. I'm like, sign <laughs> me up now. How many can I get? I mean, I was young, yeah. like early 20s with 10, 10 grand on a credit card oh. debt. And my, my dad passed away when I was 24. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things where I had so much shame around that. Mm-hmm. And I was in debt when my dad passed away, mm. credit card debt. I had so much shame because, Terry, I knew better. Mm. And I was still doing it. You know, and I wish that my dad, you know, some people believe, oh, he can see you. And I want to believe that he knows that I'm successful now and <laughs> I do not have credit card debt. You know, like I'm very successful now, dad. But there was so much shame around it yeah. that I couldn't even face it. Exactly what you're talking about. It's, yeah. um, and that's, yeah, it's hard. Well, that's the thing. I think like lots of times people think, well, like money is different than bodies. And it's like, nope, they all stand like we're all make money mean something and we make bodies mean something. And they're both very neutral things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So it was actually going through the process of working through my body image that I was then able to take the same process I applied to my body image and start to apply it to my money mindset and say, wait, I was able to shift my beliefs around this. So what would that look like if I took the same processes and questions and applied them over here towards how I feel about money? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it definitely is the same thing. <laughs> wow. And you know, I think with with body and food and it's it's like okay, let's say you have a job that you don't like, you can quit it and get a new job mm-hmm. and kind of like move on from it. But you can't just leave your body. You can't just stop eating food. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're an, if you're a drug addict, you can stop doing drugs and well, okay, not that it's easy, but, but you know, yeah, like yeah. you don't need drugs to live. Yeah. You know, but like your body you need and it's always it's always with you and it's always there. Mm-hmm. And and like having negative thoughts around it, I feel it like can really 
consume you yeah. with every, you know. Yeah, and so in that same thing, it's like, yeah, this thing never leaves you. Like, mm-hmm. it is there with you through regardless of all the mean things you say to it, all the mean things you do to it, the way we mutilate them, the way we constantly wish that it could be something different, it still Mm -hmm. is there because all Mm -hmm. it cares about is keeping you alive as long as possible. And if we could shift that to say, yeah, this is with me forever, then all of a sudden it can become a partner with you. It doesn't it like I always tell people, like your body doesn't care what Kim Kardashian's ass looks like. It doesn't care. <laughs> like your body doesn't care. Your uh-huh. body's whole job, it's science. Its whole job is to keep balance as much as possible. And sometimes that looks like weight gain, and sometimes that looks like weight loss, and sometimes that looks like muscle deterioration or wrinkles or whatever the thing is. That's just your body's science constantly changing because that's what bodies do. But Mm -hmm. somewhere along the line, we decided, the patriarchy decided, (laughs) that if we can convince people that they have control over this thing, then they will be so distracted that they will make themselves smaller Mm -hmm. and not be part, you know, they will not go after things. But it's such a freaking distraction because our bodies literally are just like, I'm your, I'm your vessel. It's like your forever car. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So, so like Terry, when you started making these changes, I know you said you were working on your money mindset as well, you know, but well, that didn't come till later. Oh, okay. <laughs> I should say that was like okay. three years ago. The money oh, okay. Stuff. Yeah. All right. Yep, yeah. 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 Got it. Okay. When you, did you like, when you started making changes with your, you know, body image and just the way you were thinking about yourself physically and all that, did you, were there other changes that, that came to your life? Like, was there a noticeable shift in anything else in your life that might've kind of I don't know, corresponded in any way? Yeah, definitely once I was able to, like, not think about me, essentially, (laughs) I was able to focus so much more. And I see this all the time with, um, like, for example, if I'm speaking, I went to an event here in Winnipeg, it was called She Day or something, where it's like all the women leaders from our city get together, uh, and the entrepreneurs, and they like talk and give keynotes and stuff like this. So I was so excited to go and listen to all these like women leaders, like, you know, talk about changing the world. And every single speaker that got up on stage made a comment about their body before going into their content. They said, don't photograph me from that angle. You'll see my double chin. Or, oh, I was so bad. I had the cookies that they have on the table. I'm so bad. Ha ha. Like every single person was thinking about their body instead of just delivering their purpose. And I have this photo that my friend Ore has taken of me when I was teaching, and it is, let's just say, not the most, and I hate the word, flattering mm-hmm. photo, um, because I have, like, a double chin or triple chin, and I'm, like, very animated, and, like, my bra's sticking out a little bit, and my one pant leg is, like, it's just a, a mess. But, but I was like, imagine if I had cared about the way I looked could I have delivered as engaging of a presentation to the people if I was always thinking about, well, how am I angled? How am I standing? How is my tummy looking? How are my boobs looking? Like, no, I couldn't be, I couldn't give what I meant to give to the world because I'd be thinking about myself. And that I think sums it up as like, you can't give your gifts if you're putting yourself down, but if you're Mm -hmm. putting your, thinking about yourself all the time and the sooner that we can kind of just like accept our bodies I'm not saying you have to love it I'm not saying you have to like you know whatever but it is what it is you can want what you want but it is what it is and are you gonna let that stop you from you know changing the world in whatever way that you change the world that's ultimately up to you right yeah Yeah, I just think it's such a distraction. So once I kind of like stopped thinking about my body, I was able to start thinking about how I wanted to change the world. And I was, and that kind of became like a tagline I used for a while. It's like, let's stop changing our bodies so that we can change the world. 
Yeah, yeah. It really is, um, we're just so inundated, so inundated with how we're supposed to look and what it's supposed to be. I will say, like, and, and tell me if, if you agree if, or if you disagree, but I, I do feel like there has been a shift in the ads that we see and the inclusion that we're seeing with just different types of people and different bodies in, in some media. Mm-hmm. So it does seem like there is some sort of shift, but it's like, man, this is just like generation after generation, we've been told that this is how you are supposed to look or what mm-hmm. is good or not, depending on the trend as well, because that changes, you know, based on the trend. Like you said, Kardashians, big Which butt, is ridiculous good, you know. because how can a body be a trend? And isn't it like, so that's, crazy? That's the thing that it's like our bodies aren't trends, but they have convinced mm-hmm. us that they are. And that is first thing that we need to stop buying into literally buying into like stop spending money on companies that make you feel like shit (laughs) yeah like that are like you could look like this if you did this thing no like go to companies that are already saying like we love who you are come to here like let's slay the patriarchy together or let's like and i think there is a shift in marketing in general that um whether it is strategic which i'm sure it is um where it's moving away from you're the problem here's something that will fix you and that's just beyond body image that's also everything like we have the answer to fix something that's wrong with you as a human to hey we're all in this together there's a bigger problem out there, but we can work together. Like, buy, like if you buy this thing, you'll be part of a revolution or you'll be part of the change. Or, you know, by supporting this company, it goes towards ethical, sustainable fashion, whatever the thing is. But it's like, there's been a whole shift in messaging that way. Um, but what we are seeing is that, yeah, sure, they might be using different models, but explain why in the last year they've pulled all the plus size clothing out of most of the stores and you can only buy it online but they still have oh my yeah but they have the models in the picture saying but look but look we're inclusive so it's like the actions are not following the words anymore so maybe okay so companies are maybe doing it just because they know they have to and they're supposed to and they're checking the box kind of situation yeah i've even seen it to the point where companies will be like oh yeah we carry up to 3x and yet everything in their clothing range like 1x to 3x online is always out of stock yeah and it's like do you carry it or do you just say that you do you know yeah so I feel like some of this is going back again to what we were talking about before, where we are the ones who can make the change. We cannot mm-hmm. rely on other people. Correct. We are the ones who have to make the changes. And it's so funny because, like, I learned this in Al-Anon, for example. Like, Al-Anon is when I don't – yeah. just for people listening, if they don't know what Al-Anon is, is it, if you have, like, a loved one or someone who is an alcoholic or an addict, whatever, where I'm literally the only one who can who can make the change in the decisions and the, mm-hmm. the things that I do, I have to – I do it for, for – me. So yeah. <laughs> like, not to sound selfish, but so when, when I'm thinking about, okay, so let's say I get to a place where I am super comfortable with myself, and at least I think I am. And then I notice maybe someone is looking at me in a way, or at least I think they're looking at me in a way where I'm like, they're judging me, like they know, like, or, or, or they'll make a backhanded comment, like you're saying, or like, like, I've never really been what society considers to be like, quote unquote, overweight. Mm-hmm. And I've had people say to me, like, oh, you're such a skinny bitch. Or, like, uh, you know, oh, how do you get so skinny? And I'm like, I don't even know how to yeah. respond to that or whatever. And instantly I'm feeling like, okay, I'm doing something wrong or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm not trying to relate to, you know. No. but I it, don't even – but, but there, like, okay, my question, I guess, is how <laughs> do you – when someone is saying to you – something different than what you've decided in your own mm-hmm. mind and how you are going to feel about yourself. How do you rectify that? So I think the thing now is that whatever somebody, like if somebody says something to me, like where it's directed to me, I actually get curious about it. Like you can tell somebody's intent, I think. So when somebody says to you, for example, oh, like you're, you're a skinny bitch, be like, who taught you that? 
Who taught yeah. you that being skinny means that I'm automatically a bitch? Yeah. Like just Good question, Terry. <laughs> yeah, like throwing back a question to them because the, that's the problem is most women specifically, again, because that's my experience. So men probably experience this in their own way and non-binary folks and so on. But most of us have grown up in like the diet culture era of like the 80s to the 2000s was the worst like the worst mm-hmm. because media became incredibly rampant diets diets in general like everything was about shaming women for how they looked for sure um but women learned how to talk to each other only on the basis of bodies um for moms specifically like you know they'd be stay-at-home moms but they would go to their weekly weight watcher meetings or tops meetings or jenny craig meetings and the only thing they would be able to talk about was their bodies and so it was always about comparing their bodies to other people's bodies and what is what they should strive for versus what is um and so that's all women like by default know how to talk to other women about so when somebody comes to you and says oh my god you're so skinny i like wish i looked like that that they're expecting you to say oh my god no 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 like you're so skinny like no you're like that's the banter that they want so if we push back and ask a mm-hmm. question and just say where did like when did you learn to talk about bodies like why are, why are we talking about bodies that's the least interesting thing about us yeah you know totally. like you don't so so i think like asking question a question back to the person that's saying something no matter how well meaning it is it will break the system that they're used to falling into. So if somebody says to me and like, oh, the biggest one that large, like larger bodied people get that live apologetically is, oh my God, you're so confident. <laughs> As if uh, I mm-hmm. shouldn't be confident because right. of my body. So and like uh. I get that it's meant to be a compliment, mm-hmm. but also it's like what, so I would just ask somebody that said that to me is like, oh, well, what makes you like, what specifically did I do that makes you think that I'm confident? Because now they'll have to be like, uh, you're just existing in your body. That's kind of weird that I said that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but it makes them do the critical thinking work. It puts it back on the person and it's not me being mean. I'm actually curious. I'm like, what did I, because maybe they did see something I did. Like, oh, you just went up on stage and you spoke, you know, with so much passion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whatever. And I'm like, oh, thank you for that feedback. That is amazing. Like, because then that will make me feel better as a speaker, you know? Um, So I think our best line of defense is literally just asking a question, but not in a passive aggressive way. Like, like if somebody said to me, oh, you're so confident, I'm not going to respond with, would you say that to a thin person? You know, like, mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. though I might want to, but right, it's not, right. but in that moment, they're not talking about that. So why would I bring that into a conversation? Right. Yeah. Is that making sense? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I love that. Cause it, it does. It puts, it puts it back onto the other person. And like you said, not in a mean way, but to really just get them thinking, you know, to start that conversation. And I think, honestly, the biggest thing that we can do in conversations, specifically with other women, is just be like, really? We're going to talk about bodies? Like, that's so, like, we have so much better things to talk about. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, I'd be like, I don't really want to have this conversation. Like, to feel okay to say those things to other people. Uh, but if you're not that confident, or not confidence, not the right word. If you're not that confrontational, maybe to be like, you know what, let's just yeah, change yeah, the subject. Yeah. But then if somebody says something to you, like, does call you a skinny bitch, for example, and what you do with that afterwards, that is yours. So mm-hmm. are you going to let it reinforce that or are you going to just be like, I can understand why they think that because, you know, stereotypically, this is the way we've seen thin women portrayed in movies is this, da 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 whatever. And like, convince yourself that, like, I have compassion for why they would think that way, but also I'm not going to let it affect me. Okay, I have two questions. Yeah. One is... If you were teaching this to children, how would you want them to respond if someone, like, if someone is bullying them about their body? I mean, and it could be about, like, their hair color yeah. or 
um, you know, their size or just skin color, like anything. Mm -hmm. Like how— how would you kind of translate this? So first thing is acknowledge that their feelings are real. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so the biggest thing is like, no, you're beautiful, as if those things about them shouldn't make them beautiful again. So instead say, tell me more about how this is making you feel. Uh, questions, yeah. again, always yeah. questions. Um, and be like, well, what do you think would be different if you were to change that? Like, get them to critically think. The best thing my mom did for me when I was being bullied was that. She didn't tell me how to think. She didn't tell me how to feel. But one day I came home from crying and she probably had enough <laughs> of that. Mm -hmm. And she sat me down and I can remember it, like, where I was sitting. I can remember it exactly because it changed literally my life moving forward. And she said, Terry, you have two choices. Number one, you could choose to do what you think you need to do in order to fit in, but chances are they still might find something to pick on you for because that's what kids do. Or you could choose to be yourself, and the people that are going to love you will love you regardless of those things that will inevitably change in you. So you have the choice. Wow. And so I was like, well, shit, the other one sounds way easier just to be myself. So well, let's yeah. do that. <laughs> right? But she didn't tell me what to do. She gave me options. And it was in the options that I had a choice. Yeah. Um, and that ultimately empowered me because what I did moving forward, I still got bullied. People still made fun of me. But instead, I said, okay, who can I help? I guess, uh, like, I would take myself out of environments that would make me feel small in school where um, during recess, I, you know, in, like, junior high, your feelings are just so heavy. Mm -hmm. Like, everything is so bad. Um, but because I, I learned to feel that, I would say, what can I do with this energy? And I would go hit a volleyball against the wall for, you know, the 15 or 20 minutes that recess was. And it helped me become a really good athlete. Or I would go practice music. Or I would spend time with the kindergarten kids because they loved that I was able to be rough and tumble with them because I was a larger body person, not like the frail TAs that they had. Mm -hmm. um, and I started, that's when I started to see my body as useful because I, I could see what it could do to help other people smile, laugh, play. And all of a sudden I learned to focus on what it was and not try to change it because of what it wasn't. If that yeah. makes sense. Wow. No, I love that. I love that. Well, and, and, you know, kind of my other question, move. you know, the second question I had was for someone who's listening, who's like, I am never going to fucking love my body. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you say. Like, what's step one? What, uh, what, do, what do we do? Stop trying to love it. <laughs> yeah. And I know that sounds counterintuitive, but here's the thing. What happens is one of the things that happened when the body positivity movement got co-opted by mid-sized white folks <laughs> is that it became about self-love and bubble baths and bullshit like that and <laughs> and the reality bubble is <laughs> and previously the body positive movement was created for and by black women fat women um and men like the fat population to have a space where they could freely exist and celebrate just being who they were as people and their body being part of that Mm -hmm. um and so it's changed though since marketing got a hold of it you know all those things um and so yeah I think it's important for people to recognize like you don't have to love it because some days you're not gonna love it's like your it's like your kids I mean yeah. you, lo you love them all the time but some days they're little shit sometimes they're real assholes let's yeah be real. and some days it, they irritate you and make you stress out your body's the same way but they're still there you know, mm -hmm. or your of partner. Course. Like, I always tell my husband, I'm like, I will always love you, but some days I don't like you. Um, but I know those are temporary feelings. And it's the same with our bodies, that it is and can be temporary if we let it be temporary. But what happens is we have a negative thought about our body. Maybe we walk by a mirror or see a photograph of ourselves or whatever. And we immediately go into, uh, oh, my God, my body's shit or whatever it's terrible it's gross and then we're like oh no I have to love my body so so now I feel bad that I had a bad thought so now it's like a double whammy of shame that you're not good mm -hmm. at loving your body so that's one more thing that women can't live up to you know and 
And so it's like, acknowledge that you feel like crap, like that, yeah, I acknowledge that I don't like the way I look today. How can I be compassionate towards that? Maybe I'll dress in sweatpants. Maybe I'll go outside. Maybe I'll stay away from mirrors. Maybe I'll, you know, I'll just exist as a human and take, who can I help? Look for who you can help when you're feeling down about yourself. Like the point is we have to get away from our bodies, I think, a little bit before we can come back to them and see them with fresh eyes, if that makes sense. It does make sense. Yeah. So that that is my advice. Stop trying to love it and just be like, it is what it is. And today I need a little more compassion. So what steps can I take so I don't continue to hate it even more? Yeah. I really like the idea like of you saying, like, you're not trying to tell people how to feel and your mom wasn't telling you how to feel and there were choices and options. I mean, truly, that's what a really good therapist does. Like that's, mm-hmm. you know, I was a social worker therapy. I did in-home family therapy for a while at all. The, finding a really good therapist will not tell you what to do. No. <laughs> they will guide you. Which and is, it sometimes just, is frustrating because you're like, I want, to, I want just somebody give else me an to answer. be responsible yes, for this. Totally. Yeah. Just give me the answer. Yeah. How do you feel about the concept of owning it? So like when I was a, a, I was a school social worker at the elementary level for a long time. And, you know, if a kid came to me saying, you know, someone's picking on me about, you know, whatever, let's, say, let's just say my, my haircut. And it, it seemed like something that worked with the kids. It's just kind of owning it or coming back with like a one-liner like, well, good thing you don't have my barber. Or, <laughs> you know, yeah, my mom made me cut it like this. I kind of hate it too. Or, you know, like owning it. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you feel about that concept? I think, I think it can lead to a path of self-destruction through self-deprecation. Um, because that's what most larger children learn early on. It's like, well, you know, they're still going to pick on me. So how can I make a fun of myself first? So that well, way okay. it hurts less when other people do. And I know that's not what you mean, but I can no. see how it could lead to that. Yeah, so, okay. th- so I would say instead of owning it that way, we just have to be cautious of, are we owning it out of defense? Or are we owning it out of love? And saying like, no, okay. I'm confident yes. Yes. in this. I chose this. I want this. I like this. I, you know, that's out of love mm-hmm. versus the other is out of defensiveness so that it hurts less when somebody else says something about it. Or, you know, la- um, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. But it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, but inside you're still saying that thing to yourself. And so it still hurts. You okay, know? that makes total yeah. sense. Yeah. I think like... One of the one of the things that was helpful, and I guess I shouldn't have said the word like I hate my hair too, because that's not that's not something that I would have <laughs> said to kid, you know kids yeah. to say. Like I wouldn't have said the word hate. I don't know why I said that part, but but it was almost like the if we didn't give a reaction to the person who mm-hmm. was teasing us or bullying us or whatever, then they were less likely to do it again. So if yeah. we came back with some sort of, um, you know, using the hair, you know, haircut thing again, like, um, oh, but it's like the new latest trend or, you know, just something mm-hmm. or whatever, or that's your opinion. Because some kids, you know, couldn't come up with a quick, like, snarky thing. So we Yeah, just, most you know, people can't. I yeah, think I that, couldn't. Because it's no like, because then yeah. later on you're like, oh, shit, I should have said this. Yeah, totally. Um, but I do think, yeah. So in that case, I think, like, one of the best, again, the best response is a question. What is it you like about it? <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Be like, oh, or shower other shower that person with compliments. Kill them with kindness. Like when people come on my Instagram and like comment what I presume to be a negative thing, I just like respond back with like, do you know that you're loved and valuable? Mm-hmm. Like, what are they going to do? Yeah, I really like this. I mean, again, <laughs> using the haircut thing. Like if they say yeah. something like, oh, man, I love your haircut. Like yeah, be like oh, well, oh. thank thank you for noticing. You could say that, and yeah, then just be yeah. like, I really like how you style yours, you yeah. know, and just like turn it back. Do you have any tips for me? Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just be like yeah. I think that's a big part of it. And then again, the other option is questions. Mm-hmm. Okay, getting curious. Or one of my things that my um, my mom's man friend says is, oh, it's unfortunate you feel that way because it's not. I'm not sorry. 
but that is your feeling. You are entitled to your opinion, but it has no bearing on me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Wow. It's just, um, it's just really crazy, you know, when we are trying to navigate so much when it comes to just, just accepting ourselves and that's just the whole self-value thing. And in addition to that, we're, we're like, you know, trying to fend off all of these other things coming our way. And it's just like so much going on, like through the media and what people tell us and our Instagrams and all the things. And it but just, I think, I think that's where we can empower ourselves though and realize nothing is happening. Well, I mean, some things do happen to you. Yes. Mm -hmm. But I mean, like the media, the people you surround yourself with, the environments you go into, the places you spend your time, you curate that. You create that. Oh, like, absolutely. Are you listening to content that makes you feel like shit? Are you mm -hmm. watching or look using filters that make you feel bad when you look in the mirror? Are you like <laughs> exactly? Yeah, yeah. Like examining like what part am I playing in my own self destruction here or creating my own stress, and then looking beyond that to say like which is maybe a bit more of an, like, after you've gone through the body image stuff, but saying, like, why do I think, uh, like, why do, well, the question I asked one of my friends is, like, why do you love to hate yourself? You know, psycho like, she knows psychology. She knows, she knows I've spent time with her. Here are all the tools, the resources. So there must be a reason why hating yourself is the best alternative. What are you afraid of if you were to stop? And that's sometimes will shake people's thing, like shake them up a bit because so far we're like, well, we just have to fix that top problem. But it's like, but that problem that you're creating is helping you in some way because yeah. you keep doing it. So what yeah. is it saving you from? Or what are you getting out of it? I mean, yeah. like, are you getting support from people? Yeah. Are or you... is it just like, you don't think like if, what if you were somebody that is deserving of your body being acceptable. Like, what would that mean? And then all of a sudden, it's like all the belief systems you've ever learned about yourself would be dismantled. And that's scary. Yeah. When that's all, when all you've ever known is hating yourself, the opposite of that is terrifying. Right? We, what is the saying? Like, we fear the thing we desire the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so that's the other question that I would ask people around that. It's like, why why am I being complicit in my own self-destruction, I guess? I love it. Yeah, because the it world is already so, doing a lot of it. So, you know, don't, yeah, you don't it, need to be one of them. I love it. And again, it, it, so much of it goes back to we are, we're in control and we get to be the ones to decide how we're going to feel and respond and be and grow. And it's really well, a great thing. And that's that's one of the things that like built like going through self value and like learning more about you, you as a person. One of the things I say, and I think Sue has mentioned it in self value at the workshop, though, is like I personally have never met anybody that hate that loved themselves like as a person that hated their body. Yeah, like our bodies become the scapegoat for the things that we dislike within our humanness. So our shame, our trauma, our pain, our humiliation, whatever the thing is, our body just becomes a punching bag for that. So we we really do have to work through the fears, the belief systems, all of those things. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, my body's just here doing its thing because it mm -hmm. doesn't care. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, so true. Well, thank you. This has been really helpful. This is um, very insightful and yeah, really, really, really appreciate all of your knowledge and that you're just doing all of this and helping, oh, thank helping you. people. I, yeah. I appreciate it because, yeah, I like talking about this stuff. <laughs> well, you're not off the hook yet, though. I have a couple okay. more questions for you. <laughs> Excellent. I always ask the same uh, questions at the end of each episode. Ooh. Okay, number one is what would you tell people who are just starting out on the self-value journey overall? Uh, I would say build your self-awareness first. Like, just start listening. You don't have to change anything. You don't have to do anything different with your life. You don't have to change any behaviors. You just have to start 
listening. Like my mom made me look at my bank statements. <laughs> you have to look at what your brain is telling you. And from there, you'll be able to make decisions. But lots of people can't even, aren't even aware of what their inner soundtrack is. Mm-hmm. So start there. That's what I would say. Yeah. I love that. Love that. All right. Number two is what do you do when you start to get off track? And I know you talked a little bit about this, but, you know, yeah, summarize. I, yeah. Again, I think just practicing, number one, acknowledge it. Say, oh, I recognize that behavior. <laughs> Like, again, that awareness is really good to for that and say, like, oh, I haven't had that thought in a long time. Like, where did that come from? And then instead of letting it take you down to, into a vortex, just getting curious about it. Who taught me that? Do I want to believe that? Is that helping me be the person I want to be? And what is a new thought that I could have that will help me move away from this? And if it. none of that works, just be like, it's all temporary. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so it's so good. And so much of that is cognitive behavioral therapy too. Like it's yep. parts of it in there. Yeah, exactly. Where it's retraining those automatic thoughts. and Yeah, because uh, Not that we're all, like, you know, but I'm no longer a clinical doing. therapist. I'm not trying to say I'm a therapist and neither, you know, whatever. But I'm a Terry part of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And basically what we have to do is create new neural pathways. It's exactly. not wrong. That's literally what we have to do. Yeah. 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 Love it. All right. Number three is what is just like a new favorite thing, any sort of like product or recipe or TV show, like literally anything. New favorite thing. Oh, I feel like I haven't done anything cool lately. Uh, well, I'm re-watching. <laughs> it's not new, but I'm re-watching old Degrassi re- reruns. I don't oh my know gosh, I love like it. like the Canadian awesome. uh, like teen drama, Yeah, um, which is so good. Because I'm like, oh my God, this is from like 20 years ago. And they're still talking about this shit in the news. Like, come I on, know. people, <laughs> you know? Um, so me. I guess like that's not new, but <laughs> that is what I'm loving at the moment. Oh, you know what? No, I have started shooting a medium format camera. Oh, um, sweet. Just super basically. And I've never done that before. So we'll see how it turns out. But that's kind of fun. Nice. That yeah. is fun. Like Very shooting cool. lots of film. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Number four is where can people find you online? Ah, well, probably Instagram is where I'm the most frequent. Uh, so Instagram.com forward slash Terry Hofford, or you can go to terryhofford.com. I also have a website called BIBC Gone Wild for my body image boot camp retreats. Uh, but yeah, you can get all, you know, all that stuff can come from my main website too at terryhofford.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you again, Terry. I appreciate you and look forward to the next time we get to hang out and see each other, hopefully at the next self-value workshop. And yeah, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Self-Value Podcast. If you want even more about self-value to start changing your own life, head over to selfvalue.com where you can find all of the education you need to start reaching your full potential. Also, your five-star reviews really help us to continue what we do. So if you like listening, would you mind giving us a review wherever you listen? We really appreciate it. Well, that's all for today, but don't forget to head over to selfvalue.com.